All right. Erica's gone again. This time, uh, she's not under the weather. She's in Philadelphia, which is very cool. It looks like she's having some fun, which is uh, which is great. But uh, the three of us, we're going to have to put on a show here, gentlemen, and uh, we're going to have to keep it on the rails. So, Listen, at least a lot happened in wrestling where we don't have to rely on our personalities. The wrestling will take over, you know what I mean? Excellent call. Excellent call. All right. Whew. Barring an act of God, the show will go on. So, <laughs> how did you enjoy that Roman Reigns uh, Roman Reigns win on your baby show yesterday, Justin? <laughs> Are we starting to show this way? Are we really? <laughs> Damn, we're just jumping right into it. I thought we'd start off with the Grand Slam because AEW killed it in New York. You were in New York, but you want to start the show this way. Um, he wants to go out on a high note. That's fair. So, let's start with the bullshit. Okay, let's start with the bullshit. All right. I um I was overall a fan of extreme rules outside of the peacock, you know, mess ups that we had of 18 different languages languages going on at the beginning of the show. Um, of course, extreme rules, there was nothing crazy about it. You know, there's no title changes, there's no returns. So it's not like I'm over the moon with it, but I thought there were you know six solid matches overall. And, uh, you know, Roman Reigns, specifically the ending, I was a fan of that. I thought it gave us a hook. And what it did for me, uh, what it did for me was because going into Extreme Rules, I was upset that they announced the Roman Brock match before Finn got his shot at the title. Because at that point, even not, I'm not saying I ever thought Finn was going to beat Roman, but at that point, why are we even having this match? Because Roman's already got to defend his title in Saudi. So we know where this is going. But to give us a hook uh, for the demon to have a story, a relevant story of who, you know, was behind whatever, that I was a fan of because despite him taking the loss, which we knew he was going to somehow, he has a, a, a relevant story even after taking that loss. Of course, it depends on how they follow through with this. That I mean, if it ends up being bullshit or unexplained, then yes, it's bullshit and unexplained. But at least for the sake of the end of the pay-per-view, it's the hook of what happened. What happened there? Why did that happen? Who did it? Whatever it may be. And it's the fun part of wrestling where we get to speculate. We didn't get the answer right away of why that happened, who, what. And, you know, that gives us a little of at least a few days heading into SmackDown of speculation. Who was it? Could have been this person. Could have been this you know, we can go crazy with it at least for a few days until we find out what they actually do with it. So I was a fan of Extreme Rules. Again, nothing crazy. It's not like it outshined Grand Slam or any of the AEW pay-per-views as of late. But I thought Extreme Rules was a solid show. I thought the show was decent, Chuck. I thought the title was uh, not appropriate whatsoever. But No, uh, very you true. Know. That part's very true. <laughs> you can't get everything right. I mean... You know, sometimes you have a bunch of languages going at once. Sometimes you forget to have stipulations or you call a, th- a, a three-man match an extreme rule match. <laughs> Good one. Uh, I did like, though, that uh, who's your guy, uh, uh, the, the the commentator there with Cole for SmackDown? Um, uh, Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee, when he said, this is Bullshit League, I was like, thank you, thank you. Yeah. And that was all I really needed to see. <laughs> Yep, yep. And he took a couple shots at the peacock issues too throughout the night. So, yes. and I was clearly had seen the Lions game. <laughs> yeah, that pissed me. I'm like, Pat, stop bringing it up. Pat, I love you. Stop bringing it up. I believe that's the third time I've seen the Lions lose 
to a um, uh, a, a record breaking field goal. Yeah, right. <laughs> Let's not turn this into a Lions podcast right now. Chuck, what did you think of Extreme Rules? Um, so you know how for the last couple of years we'll uh, not watch NXT for weeks at a time, and then a takeover will happen, and we'll be like, "Man, this was great! I yes. need to watch NXT." This was the other side of the coin. This was the reward for, oh, I haven't watched Raw or SmackDown in over a month, so I'm not exactly sure what I'm walking into. And then I got through the pay-per-view and went, yeah, I've made the right decision for the last month and not watched Raw and SmackDown because this was bullshit start to finish um, was, there was there was creepy bullshit in there but uh there was spooky bullshit i did at one side at one point amy did hear me from the living room say inject this spooky bullshit into my veins please <laughs> um and that was during finn balor's entrance with the portal to hell up at the top that the, the tentacles came out of and i was like yes this is the shit i like mm-hmm. um but i i understand what justin is saying about the ending i understand the okay now we've got who hit Stone Cold Steve Austin with a car or sure. what are they going to do on Monday Night Raw kind of thing or Friday mm-hmm. Night Smackdown with the the whole, you know, act of God, if you will, stopping the demon from beating Roman Reigns. Um, but, you know, th- there were two matches I was here for. And the other one that had my spooky bullshit and it was Alexa and Charlotte. Mm-hmm. And I felt like the ending to that match was anticlimactic. I didn't I wasn't somebody who expected Alexa Bliss to win that match. But I certainly expected, considering all the stuff you've done over the last year with Lily, for Charlotte to have some immediate repercussions to tearing the doll apart. Um, And the fact that there wasn't any uh, feels to me like um, an act of no faith in in the fans of that uh, that particular story or in the players that are playing in it like we're we're okay we're gonna go in a different direction now so we're just gonna ignore everything that we've done with this character we've sold as many dolls as we can yeah we're done yeah i see i feel like there was supposed to give that vibe of something bad was gonna happen but between the camera angles and alexa bliss struggling with the tablet that the sure the 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 point was supposed to be alexa bliss is foaming at the mouth after charlotte just destroyed lily Right. Alexa struggled with the tablet and nobody in the back got that hint and kept showing the camera angle, which clearly showed the tablet in her mouth. So instead of it being a creepy, oh, my gosh, she's foaming at the mouth. It was what the hell is in her mouth? Yeah, it completely ruined that ending. So I feel like that feeling was supposed to be there, but the execution was all off. So, yes. so there was there was a spot during the match where Charlotte had Alexa Bliss by the arms and legs upside down on her like backpacking her, which usually yeah. leads to the vertebraker. I think it was called. It's a uh, uh, Shane Helms used to do it where they would drop yes. somebody, and I thought they were going there. Um, but when she had her upside down, she purposely turned so that Alexa was facing Lily, and at no time did Alexa, while she was in pain or losing the match like call out to her supernatural friend for help or power or anything like that. And then, you know, when she's in the middle of the ring and she's holding the pieces of the doll, there was, and she's supposed to be crying. Like there was no verbalization of I'm sorry, or, you know, anything just like, there's stuff that I'm watching and I'm like, Oh, if you did this one, if you made this one tweak to this, it would sell it so much better. 
and you've got an entire writer's room and nobody brought this up. Sure, sure. And you said there were no returns. Sasha Banks came back. Yeah, I, I meant major. Like Sasha was just, you know, whatever happened to her at SummerSlam. I'm I mean, you specifically about. mean Bray Wyatt didn't come back? What are the I other specifically major mean there was no Bray Wyatt or the <laughs> Yes. No I major it was be Goldberg or Bray. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Oh, CM Punk's coming back any minute now. I yeah, mean, right. <laughs> and listen, I know it's probably going to sound like CM Punk to you guys, but that is, again, why I liked the hook at the end. Because now, at least for a few days, it gives us some people the thought of, did they get the Fiend back? Because if you think about it, who, if they, if they play through with this of, you know, someone was behind, you know, Finn's blah, 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 whatever. And it's not just Roman's act of God, or they just go unexplained. Who else would have the supernatural powers to make that happen while the demon is having his whole deal going on? Who would have the powers to stop that and have the ring collapse on him, right? And the red light indicated, you know, there was some, you know, sure. going back to the the first appearance of the fiend. But okay, so they bring him back. So, what are the most for me? The most memorable moments of the fiend are the um, the very cool um, the uh, the match with Cena. You know, the with, yes, with the house of the Firefly Funhouse. Firefly Funhouse. Thank you. How soon we forget? I'm gonna hold hold on a second. Let me get a let me just get a hit of my my memory juice. Sure, sure. <laughs> I understand this actually helps long, you know, short-term memory. Not absolutely decimates it. Um, so uh, going back, I remember the Firefly Funhouse match, A plus. I remember his first appearance with Seth, total fail. I remember the box-like structure, total fail. And, and I will now remember Finn's act of God, total fail. All right, so you're real excited about the Fiend coming back. <laughs> yeah yeah like I, I i wouldn't call last night a total fail until we see what some sort of mallet it's a mallet call i mean that's <laughs> it's, 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 <laughs> it's obviously a mallet I remember right and those are little things around it that you know the things that were a fail for the fiend is is the likes of vince mcmahon and such of course not understanding how to make it great but in the end as much as it may not be high on your list the fiend is high on a lot of people's lists in wrestling bray wyatt in general is in sports high entertainment on i don't think anyone cares anymore sir i think you're starting to learn that i you're telling me a lot of people don't care about bray wyatt or the fiend you're telling me if the fiend shows up say on smackdown for night one of the draft it's not going to be a huge pop and social media is not going to go crazy especially after a week it ago. is but the, the 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 noise it's making is diminishing Month after month, and it has been for years now, just like the ratings are. Well, here the thing is, too, the one thing that gets wrestling fans a lot too is uh, sports entertainment fans. No, I'm talking wrestling because of the fact that the rumors have been that Bray Wyatt is heading to AEW, Right. right? As soon as last week. So if he goes left, if whether or not those rumors were ever true, and he goes left from those rumors and returns to WWE. That little moment makes his return to WWE that much bigger for wrestling fans because wrestling fans love that shit. We love hearing the rumors of who may be signing once they're a free agent. And then when they go somewhere else after just being rumored to go here, that is a huge pop. Ray Wyatt is a huge draw. The Fiend, despite hit or miss on his storylines, not because of him, but because of the writing, that is a huge draw. 
So two slash three things. First of all, if you're going to bring the fiend back the and, and, you know, have him and Finn Balor in a feud, I'm not as interested in that as I am in you making a tag team out of the fiend and the demon. Cause that would be a lot of fun. However, I said the same thing as but Shawnee, do you think maybe you see, you know, we have Alexa's now got this thing and she's got, you know, like, could we start to see, like, are they going to pile all the spooky people into one? They'll have the, um, the, uh, that, that NXT fella who's now, um, um, in leather and studs, the BDSM guy. Ah, yes. Oh, Karen yes. Karen Karen Cross. Cross. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Put him uh, in I there. don't know about I don't know about that, but I, I because I mean the rumors as of today are that the reason that Alexa's match ended the way it did is because they want to write her off TV for a few months, which is probably so that they can bring her back as the old Alexa Bliss and just act like the last two years of Alexa Bliss story didn't happen. Didn't happen. Right. Uh, which you know I you know you knew Alexa was eventually going to leave the spooky bullshit behind and be her again but at least put closure on it. Don't just yes. in professional wrestling tradition, take somebody out of the territory for a couple of months and then bring them back and act like whatever they were doing a couple months ago never happened. Well, and traditionally that's what you did when you weren't getting enough out of the character and the fans weren't interested. Right. But yet I know it was Alexa's hometown, but that crowd was on jam. Like they, yeah. weren't, they weren't they there chanted, saying, boy, Thank we wish you, we Lily. had Alexa. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it was... Yeah, it was uh, the like, thank you Lily chant was outstanding. Actually, that was that was one of my favorite moments. Yeah, that might have been the highlight of of the night, uh, at least for me. Um, but the other thing is, as Shawnee brought up, the WWE has shown an extreme penchant for not getting what makes the fiend special, mm-hmm. and that is why over the last couple of months when it comes to any of these people when you know we're, we're wondering are they going to show up in AEW or are they going to show up back on monday night raw at what right. point are wwe going to stop letting these people slip through their fingers so that they can go do the thing that they understand the right. crowd enjoys about them um i i'm not excited for a bray white in wwe in the same way that all these people are, you know what i'm excited for in wwe braun Strowman, so i know where he is and i don't have to deal with him on impact wrestling sure. or in you know ring of honor yeah, I, I the one thing I'll say though, especially with a uh, you know someone like Bray Wyatt, who talking about Bray Wyatt specifically is so popular in the wrestling universe right now, and talk about all the names that WWE has already lost to AEW. If he decided to return to WWE, whether now or whenever, uh, you would have to think, especially if it's still the Fiend character, that there had to be something along the lines of "You need to let me do this the way I want to fucking do this." Yeah, and, and I don't believe I don't believe that's even a possibility sure. uh, with the return of Zelina Vega because she sure. came back to a pretty big pop and went right back to what she was doing before she left, jobbing exactly. to everybody. Exactly right, and but and if that's the case, so be it. But especially with Bray Wyatt to AEW, you know the rumors already there, and so at some point he was at least considering it or whatever it was, uh, you know. And you talk another thing too that came out was the uh, Broken Skull sessions with Seth and Stone Cold, where yeah. Seth went in on the main event of the Hell in a Cell match. Yeah, that was uh, actually much better than anything on the pay per view. Yeah, and he said and, he got and, back and, to Gorilla and he wanted to fight Vince McMahon, and they exactly. had to hold him back. 
<laughs> and then and then uh, when th- that headline was tweeted out, Bray Wyatt responded to it saying, wait till you hear my reaction. Right. Right. So with that coming out and basically that just summed up Vince McMahon did not understand the fiend. Right. Bray and Seth wanted to do it one way. Vince did it completely the opposite. It busted as expected and they were pissed. If Bray Wyatt, I have, I would like to have faith in Bray Wyatt that if he decided to go back to WWE, he better have gotten some form of clearance, especially if it's still the fiend character of I'm going to be able to do this the way I feel it should be done and go from there, especially after he, he called out Vince, Seth called out Vince on the, on the, with stone cold. If Bray Wyatt went back to WWE, I would really hope he got that clearance before deciding to go there. When you know he can go to AEW, take over the Dark Order, and have a hell of a lot more freedom doing whatever character he wanted the way he wanted to. It's interesting to think that um, you know over the years, some of the most successful characters in the WWE have been the guys that when Vince said, "This is what we're going to do," said, "No, that doesn't work for me. We're going to have to do. So. We're going to have to figure something else out." When you think of your Hulk Hogan's or your Steve Austin's or your CM Punk's. And it, I would love to know, is there anyone in the current locker room that when Vince shreds the, uh, the, the script an hour before TV and rewrites it, that looks at it and goes, no, this doesn't work for me. We're going to have to figure something else out. We're going to have to, how about if we do this instead? Or if, you know, at this point in the company, you've you kind of got just, you know, a bunch of yes men. They're just like, all right, this is what the boss wants to do. I feel like Randy Orton is one name that comes to mind that probably could potentially have pull like that. Yeah, I can see what that. his character does. I can definitely not too many others come to mind right now. Right. I think Roman Reigns will get there. If I, he th- stays I, I wonder mom. if Roman Reigns might be there already. And we just, you know, we don't think about it, but he might be somebody that, you know, has Vince's ear when it comes to like, look, man, I'm out there every night and I know this isn't going right. to work. Or different. maybe it's whoever's with Paul Heyman. Right. And Paul Heyman has that stroke. For whoever yeah, maybe. he's with. I don't, historically, if you listen to Bruce Pritchard, uh, Paul Heyman usually is on the outs with Vince. But Paul Heyman yes. is notorious for bringing up something so many times that Vince turns sour on it, even if it's a good idea. That's one part of what Seth Rollins said. I wish uh, he would have detailed more because he said, he, you know, after almost going at Vince, Paul Heyman sat him down. And he just called it, he picked Paul Heyman to me, sure. if you will. Yeah. I really wish he would have told at least a couple comments of what Paul, was Paul defending Vince? Or was he like, bro, you know how Vince is? Like, Which one was it? I wish he would have given us a little more on that. I remember reading in Mick Foley's book quite a few times that there was, you know, there was a an aura of you would wait outside Vince's office for like two hours and you were fuming about something. And then you'd go in there and he'd blow smoke up your ass for 15, 45 minutes. And you'd come out like super jazzed about the idea that an hour ago, you couldn't imagine yourself doing. And I wonder if that's also basically what Paul's job was at the time. It was like, Hey, Seth is angry. Make him understand why this is good. And the, Seth's comment was that he wouldn't be on the trajectory he's on now uh, had he not had gone through that. Everything happens for a reason. But, uh, right, you know, um, that's, I, that's, I guess, why I'm not so excited by the fact that this may have been a fiend intervention, you know, um, historically. Yeah, I I, I, again, it, all of these things are a function of getting my hopes up high and then now my just you you've ruined my love for your product is really what it is 
I uh, yeah. I finished watching it last night and started scrolling through all my streaming services and realizing how many movies and how many television shows that I don't watch because I don't have the time and how many of those you know I could have picked from out of that three to four hours last night instead of putting professional wrestling on my screen and like I said it was Sports it was the, it was the flip side of uh, of the NXT phenomenon of like all right you've showed me that I've made the correct decision by doing something else on Monday and Friday nights. Yeah. See, but you don't like as much. Okay. So outside of the, the finish, you weren't a fan of the show overall. There were some damn good matches though. No, no, not really. I feel like I've, uh, you know, in my Wednesday and Friday viewings of the other, co- the other side, the other company, I've seen stuff there that uh, I've, I've gotten more enjoyment out of. Oh, sure. No. Yeah. This is not me trying to convince anybody that WWE had a solid show. That was better than AEW. no, Absolutely. I, I feel like if I was uh, if I was Big E, I would be furious that I finally reached the top of the mountain and I'm still opening the opening the card in the yeah, same well, way that not- in the same way that the Usos and, and the New Day would you know be on the pre-show every month for for right. months at a time a couple years ago and be like we're the best thing you have in the tag team division yet for some reason you won't put us on the main pay-per-view what the fuck well, is this and it's not even just that they opened a show it was a last minute match they put together right it wasn't even promoted that was one thing on when uh we recorded the pay-per-view pod heading into extreme rules i'm like how the hell is biggie who just cashed in and you have the match of biggie versus bobby that you could have been promoting for the pay-per-view how is he not even on the card and you wait till the pre-show to put him on the card Right. That makes no sense. I mean, I understand you have two heavyweight titles for two different shows and the other heavyweight title is Roman fucking Reigns. So, of course, you're not going to end the show no matter how big your pop was on Monday night, you know, when you cashed in money in the bank. But to be either not on the show or curtain jerking when you're the other guy, like Mm -hmm. I haven't seen that level of disrespect since uh, uh, Jack Swagger was a heavyweight champion. <laughs> yep. And there's a reason for that. Or even when CM Punk cashed in money in the bank the first time and they, you know, did not have yeah. the faith in him. So they put him in a feud with JBL for two or three months and then had Randy Orton pull the belt off him. Mm-hmm. Yep. Fun, fun, fun. <laughs> I actually thought the matches were fine, um, but I'm not invested in the characters anymore. Sure. And, and they're not, I, and I'm certainly not invested in the human beings behind the characters. That's, you know, because right. the, the way that they do this weird separation, except for when they can exploit it kind of thing. Where And that's right. that's why I, uh, one of the reasons I love AEW is because these are, you can see their social media. They're allowed to have social media where they yeah. sort of tell you or they show you through their actions and their words. Oh, yeah. I can see the angle of their personality that reflects this character. It's not just some clown show that Vince McMahon scrawled on, uh, on a napkin. Yeah. Um, and no, that's what all that. these characters feel like now. Yeah. I, I don't have any issue with any of the individual superstars or uh, characters in WWE. All the issues are with the, the writing and the decision-making behind it. But the, I mean, they got, and, and that's what makes it so bad because they have a stacked roster. They really do. If you oh, put them yes. on one show, they really have a stack. We talk about AEW's roster, and rightfully so. WWE, if done right on one show, that is a solid fucking roster. They just, behind the scenes, don't know what the hell they're doing with it at that point. But I will say, Sasha, Bianca, and Becky in a story together is gold. But what's a WWE thing to do? 
one of those three will be drafted the raw on Friday night. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I will admit, even though we've become a pretty much a pro AEW uh, podcast for the last month or so, I will admit that if WWE has one thing over AEW, it is that uh, probably down to a man, if you if you had proper creative behind every person on either roster, like you've got a killer show. Like every one of them is is pretty even even Baron Corbin, who's definitely a, a mule we like to kick here on the podcast. Um, you know, he's been on a great run and guess he's what? Been a, he's been funny. First time I don't see him on a pay-per-view in forever. <laughs> like, right. What is going on here? <laughs> and that's, that's uh that was the third point I, I forgot to make about the Finn Balor thing is like, if it's going to be something, if it's going to be something, even Paul Heyman paid a, a, you know, a ring hand to fuck that rope up so that that would happen kind of thing. That is better than giving me somebody I don't want. Finn Balor to beat up over the next month. Like, Hey, guess what? Baron Corbin is responsible for the demon losing. So now Finn Balor gets to beat him up for the next month or two. But you also got to remember too, that one thing, one storyline WWE loves to do is take a rivalry and they'll let them be a rivalry for a while. And that'll lead right into them being a tag team. Yeah. And Bray Wyatt is the one person they love doing that with. Cause they did that with Randy Orton. Right? They did it with they Matt Hardy. That- they did it with Matt Hardy. They did it with Cesaro and Sheamus. So, so even if it, if the Fiend comes back and it leads to Demon versus Fiend, I could definitely see that leading into a tag team just a couple few months down the road. Yeah, that's definitely something that could. I mean, anything could. Uh, it's just the trajectory has been bad in almost yeah. every front. I mean, yeah. uh, uh, and and I stand by it. You know, in the early episodes of the show, which some asshole deleted. Um, I, I just was never a fan of Roman Reigns, and now the SmackDown run of Roman Reigns has been excellent. It has straight been excellent, but it's not enough to get me to watch the show. And it's certainly like, okay, it's already bad enough that one of my favorites finally gets on TV again, and he's going to have to just hit the buzzsaw that is Roman Reigns with very little story behind it. But then also do this weird schmas ending that's just infuriating. Like, oh, cool, cool, thanks WWE. Like, how come you? They never give me swerves that I enjoy, right? What is this? It's it's like right. the idea that they make everybody lose in their hometown. Like, I, I'm starting to believe that Vince McMahon is just an awful, awful human being. <laughs> yeah. And right. now that he's starting <laughs> to lose his mind, that's all coming out. Yep. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Well, if the uh, if the plane ride from hell, dark side of the ring episode is any indication, there's a lot of awful, awful human beings running around professional wrestling or yeah. sports, sports entertainment. entertainment. Sports entertainment, <laughs> yeah. Each week, I mean, yeah. Now, Dark Side of the Ring is like the new one, man. You better not agree to go on that show. Yeah, I, I, mean, I can't imagine they're gonna like. How how do you even get a season four when it yeah. seems like they're on this tear of like every week there's somebody new that well, like, oh shit, you said this awful thing twenty years ago. Well, guess what? It's come yeah. back, and now you have to pay for it. Well, the latest was actually John Cena. If you guys yes. saw that. And I personally did not feel that that was warranted, um, especially. I, I mean, explain explain the situation. I'm not aware. Uh, so they had the uh, most recent Dark Side of the Ring was about Canyon, um, who uh, was uh, openly gay, and he was was in WCW and then ended up in WWF and WWE, but never really 
did anything in WWE, was definitely jobbed out, even had a segment with The Undertaker where he beat the fuck out of yeah. Canyon. I think that was in 2003, 2002. Uh, um, he did not last past 2002, if he was you know, even there. I know he was part of the invasion. And I yes. think when they made their first bit of uh, of major overhaul and, and dropped some of the lower tier WCW, yeah. ECW guys, he was one of them. Yeah, so there was a lot of... Uh, conversation, speculation about the fact that Vince did not use him well because he was gay and did and got rid of him because of that. And John Cena was in an interview, I think it was like 2006 maybe, talking about Canyon. And he uh, straight up said that just Canyon just didn't have it. He wasn't that good, um, was not that great in the ring, uh, and so on. Now, he didn't say anything inappropriate, insensitive sure. in the sense of that, but the fact that he didn't come to Canyon's defense in that story and went straight to, yo, he just wasn't, he wasn't that good. He wasn't great in the ring. Uh, they even had Ric Flair. I mean, they, they, they continue beating the horse with Ric Flair because Ric Flair called into a show that Canyon was on to talk to him about the fact that, yo, that's, that's not why you got released. You just weren't that good. And I'm not going to speak too much on anything regarding that because I was very young back then. So I don't have too much, um, you know, backstory on anything back then, but I will say, you know, from looking back and from what I remember, I wasn't too impressed with what I've seen from Canyon. Um, so that, that's why I didn't think, you know, going after John Cena that hard was necessary as for all the extra shit going on. Again, I was young. There was no social media, so I can't, I can't even begin to speak on. Yeah. Anything. I think ultimately that's a much more subjective debate. Right. Yes. Then people just straight out, you know, saying awful things or discussing essentially sexual assault. Well, and I think it's a worthy discussion, but I don't think it's a situation where suddenly, you know, John Cena is going to be dropped from all his bookings. And no. I would also assume that, you know, he's a more tactful person at this point in his life and probably a more sensitive person. You know, he seems to he seems to be a relatively growing human being. You know, I don't know. How and I think so. you can see parallels between the Canyon story and the China story and that they both ended fairly tragically. And that's why it, you know, in retrospect, when you see stuff like, you know, Ric Flair calling into Howard Stern to talk to Canyon and be like, you got released because you suck. You know, the it well, you oh, you it's know. also Howard Stern at that time. I mean, you know, and they, they would throw in ringers constantly. Right. They, they, they probably like, like set that know up. What, depression issues he was going through so if you so had you probably wouldn't have been that harsh commit suicide was it i a, believe so yes he did yes okay no i okay that's an important part of the story that i wasn't aware right. of and perhaps some of our listeners wouldn't be either yeah and that and yeah. that's why you know i can i can understand why people would be upset with like you know why would you say that to a person going through depression but you know as as i think we've all dealt with sometimes you don't know what right. somebody's going through um, and it's, it just comes down to like just be fucking nice to people man right <laughs> and and at that time that a lot of that was happening in society and i think rightfully so a lot of been, work has been put in by a lot of people oftentimes putting themselves at risk to pull that line yeah. way back from where it was even 20 right. years ago which is you know uh, a, a silver lining at least yeah. But and back to my original too, point, I don't understand, like, for one thing, I don't know how many stories are left for Dark Side of the Ring, but I also don't, don't understand, like, how you would get anybody to come come on the show after the season. 
Yeah, right. Not right. anymore. Yeah, and one thing I'll say too about the Canyon situation, it's very true. You never know how deep and dark someone's life is behind closed doors. But for Rick Flair's point, if you're being called into the show to talk to, I, I, it was very well known what the topic was right. and why we are doing this. So why would you not take the route of being a little more sensitive with this guy rather than smacking him in the face? John Cena, the, like the Cena part was a completely separate interview by himself. He was quickly asked about Canyon, quickly gave his opinion that he struggled and didn't really, you know, fit what WWE was trying to do and then called it there. Ric Flair called into the show because the topic was why did he get released? Cause he thinks it was because of this and he's struggling with that. And Ric Flair took the route of smacking him in the face with the fact that he sucked. Like that is a little less sensitive on Ric Flair's part and really ignorant on his part, because even if he didn't know how bad Canyon was dealing with it at the time, you can at least get the vibe of no, this, you know, let's not sit here and just, dog on this guy all fucking show yeah well there's no doubt that rick flair has got like a massive hole in his maturity game right i mean yes. sure like he carried that he carried that character he was allowed to carry that character way too far you know i think it's only now like in the last couple of years where he's starting to like have any sense of what would would be called cultural sensitivity right like he's he's finally out of that boys will be boys mentality and, uh, you know, like, uh, oh, that's just locker room talk, right? Like that kind of right. uh, bullshit. Um, the, it used to be locker room talk. And what we're saying is, let's not do that anymore. How about find something more productive in the, the locker room to talk about instead of fueling this sort of animalistic, rude, crude sensibility? Play some know? goddamn video games on Twitch. Well, yeah. Right. And, and the thing is, too, especially in the social media age where, that kind of stuff nine times out of 10 doesn't stay in the locker room. Yeah. So if you're having those type of conversations in the locker room, that's going to end up on social media. And now you have thousands and thousands of fans coming at this person for whatever locker room talk has targeted them. Like think if, if Canyon was, or if social media was a thing back when Canyon was dealing with this. Right. this world is unfortunately full of way too many horrible people. And think of the, if, if Ric Flair did that on Howard Stern back then with social media, and then that gave fans thousands and thousands of fans, the opportunity to then tweet at and message and go at Canyon with their thoughts on the situation and how that would have affected him. Oh, no doubt. So, I mean, and that, that plays right into what Shawnee's saying. Maybe we just don't do that anymore and we stop being assholes in this world. Right. Yeah, it's the weirdest defense, right? Like, well, geez, you, we can't even talk about rape in the locker room. You're a bunch of PC police. Like, right. well, I mean, yeah, sure, you can. You know, I mean, it's, I'm not going to go locker room to locker room busting heads, but like, right. make a different choice. Yeah. Yep. Filthy animal. Yep. I think that's the last thing that hasn't been touched on Dark Side of the Ring that I would I, I I'd seen somebody on Twitter say it and I agree is the whole idea of wrestlers court, like that would be fascinating to revisit. But also I'm sure that's a can of worms that throws quite a few people under the bus. I don't think Bradshaw 
survives no. a Dark Side of the Ring episode on Wrestler's Court. No, Bradshaw, I, I, I do sort of know. hope that they're able to pull one episode out on Bradshaw because I think he deserves it. Now, I've always yeah. I enjoy him as a commentator. Have always enjoyed him as a commentator. Uh, I have to say that because um, if anyone ever finds those old episodes, I think I was uh, often <laughs> making this exact claim. Off yeah. sounds like the worst of human beings. I mean, yeah. I, hate, I hate a bully. He is, I think that's why I don't, you know, like why I have such a an anti-racist, anti-bigotry, anti-homophobic, yes. like because it's 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 bullying and a grand scale, and it just like the smallest bullying infuriates me. And it sounds like that guy was just the biggest bully. Well, and th- th- that tells you how many. Uh, how bad of a human being he probably is because when you say put him on a dark side of the ring episode in my mind i'm like for which incident right because right. we can we can choose we can pick right we'll just do it like a biography yeah just one <laughs> big biography but if you wanted to just how we focused on Bi- one dark side of the ring Claire. biography series would be fantastic right. at that just point straight up nuking people oh, <laughs> yeah, we, we, we picked and choose who like what incident for rick flair that we wanted to target him on bradshaw's list is so long to choose from just yeah. from what we've heard who knows what we haven't heard about he is the human embodiment in 2020 of the the grandparent you the grandparent you had that your parents informed you was not a good person when they were growing up but now they're a cute old person and and <laughs> they're kind of charming i don't know that i had that experience yeah maybe maybe it's just me but yeah there's there was definitely a, a grandparent or two that uh you know was was a favorite growing up and then you know your mom or your dad would be like they're nice right now but they weren't nice when i was your age oh no oh no uh, it's like uh when they find a nazi in their their 70s and 80s they used to at the end of the last century yes <laughs> they're always yeah, just like, exactly they were such a sweet neighbor it's like well yeah sort of small get, town sort of um, get out of the hype the hype of the whole thing and the emotion of the uh the hormones and emotions of your 20s and the 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 uh the fact that the entire country is on a mass murder streak. Once all those those endorphins drop, you're sort of right. like, yeah, boy, they might what be... did I just do? I'm going to go garden forever. <laughs> going to be a small town veterinarian. <laughs> I don't know why you pulled that out of it. What, what, I do, because I'm trying to think like, what's the most charming, uh, yeah, okay, you know, call, innocent uh, thing you could you could have for cover. If you're, you know, responsible for murdering hundreds of people. All right. This is a uh, one fall show. It is a uh, friendly conversation about professional friendly. wrestling. This is uh, this is Chuck. Yeah, this is Justin. Look what the dark side of the ring is doing to our show. No. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, exactly. uh, I will say, man, when I, uh, AEW at Arthur Ashe Stadium, first off, they start with dark and um, uh, Thunder Rosa came on the screen first. And Hell, I was like, yes. yes. And the, the crowd, I mean, it, I, I have a feeling the crowd sounded like it was pretty jacked for extreme rules, too. Um, I think crowds are excited for live events right now. And if you give them a good show, they're going to keep coming back. And boy, I don't think there's a person at the AEW show who wouldn't go back other than me, only because my spine hates the fucking stadium show, man. They go sure. on for a really long time. And uh, anyone who has, like, if I was in my 20s and I had the stamina, it was all killer very very little filler um well and i don't think this breaks kayfabe too badly but so they tape dark and then do they tape elevation 
Um, I don't know exactly what, no, because they didn't they didn't change the ring. Um, so I think elevation. Wait, wait. I you know what? I'm confusing all the different names. But right, yeah, well, so, so yeah, they I, we got to see the Friday show, uh, the Wednesday show, and then dark. Um, yeah. So that's a lot of goddamn wrestling, man. Yeah, yeah, it went from like lot. seven until midnight, basically. Oh my god! Yeah, I don't, it was, it was I, I don't a have lot. the stamina for that. I don't have the yeah, stamina for that. Let me say, and, let me say, opening the main show with Kenny Omega and uh, wow. Brian Danielson. That I, I can't imagine. I will personally be live for a wrestling match that will enthrall me as much as that one did that was such a thrill and i got to see uh i did get to see shane mcmahon versus ko at uh hell in a cell yeah where uh, he got tossed onto the table and that was when sammy came back and started his uh anarchist character well that uh, was the same hell in a cell we got to see the usos in the new day too and that was a fucking banger yeah yeah but i mean did not even come close to comparing uh the crowd energy wasn't there um different time however but uh yeah. boy the crowds were off the, the chart they were so excited now and then um i thought it was interesting did i didn't watch uh what's what's the friday show uh, uh rampage. rampage rampage i didn't watch rampage on the tv did that open with the cm punk match it sure did okay i was we were wondering if they if they did creative editing um because that by that time Okay, so I'm you know everybody is getting uh like the, they're another second win basically. Yeah. But after that, like I was just done. I was spent. <laughs> like and right. the show just kept going on because it was a two-hour episode. Right. Um, right. So I, I was pretty exhausted, I have to say. But Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson, we you know, and like sort of it was dawning on us that this was going to go to a draw. And I'm with Jack Manley, who's yeah, you know, he's he's a uh, does commentary in the professional wrestling business on a local level, um, sort of regional. And uh, so we're trying to break and we're like, oh, are they actually going to do this? And then we were trying to remember if they had done it before. I think they have, but I couldn't remember yeah. the circumstances. But we we're like, oh, it's perfect. This match is so good. This mm-hmm. match is so good that that's perfect. And that means yeah. that they're going to have to do essentially a Broadway at some point, right? Like the sure. next match can't be 40 minutes, you know, because then you're yeah, basically right. just tacking on it's got to be like this amazing thing so yeah that was really exciting to me yeah i thought the decision to let those two open the show was so great especially for that match specifically not necessarily because you don't know how long it's gonna go per se because sometimes i mean as great as a match can be sometimes too long is too long no matter where in the show it is but it's more of the fact of we didn't know when it was going to end, right? Yeah. Because when you let it main event the show and we know Dynamite ends at 10 o'clock and 9.58 comes around and they're still right, quote unquote, right in the middle of the match, we're looking at the clock saying, no, they're not. Something's about to happen. Something's right. about to happen. And right. now you're waiting to see what's about to happen. So to have that factor taken out of it for those two and for Brian Danielson's first match in AEW, and for that show in that stadium, that was such a solid decision by whoever made that backstage. Such a great uh, decision because that elevated, no pun intended to the show, but elevated a match that already was top notch going into it. 
when when Kenny accepted that challenge, you saw the crowd reaction. You saw the social media reaction. Us as people are talking to each other. We're getting this on free TV. Are you kidding me? This isn't a pay-per-view. That was already exciting in itself. And then you let it open the show. It's like, shit. What a great decision. Yeah, it, and fascinating too, because you know, you knew going in, like, this is this is the main event. This is why I'm here. This is what's putting butts in the seats. So to give it to us right off the get-go is once again, it's something that we've been conditioned with the other company to not expect. So they're like, okay, well, I'm gonna have to wait through an hour and a half of you know, matches before I get to the thing I came to see. And hopefully I'll see something else that I like during that hour and a half. So to get, to get what you want right off the bat is like, Oh, I get to eat cake before I have steak. This is awesome. Well, it's funny. You said, you mentioned the other company. That's my new, uh, that's our new sponsor. Cake and steak. It's funny. You mentioned the other company because what did they do for Monday night raw tonight that they were recording this? They announced during extreme rules, Big E versus Bobby Lashley. And how do they promote it? Kicking off raw. Yeah. Big E versus Bobby Lashley for the WWE title. That's not counter booking. Is it? (laughs) Yeah. uh, What was it? Uh, Eric Bischoff had said last week, something about, you know, when Vince McMahon wakes up and and actually starts competing, watch out kind of thing. And I'm like, if you say so, Eric, I'll believe it when I see it. I was surprised to see him say that when he was just making multiple appearances in AEW within the last couple months. Yeah. Like, why Why try to – because what that's doing to me is trying to shift the spotlight from AEW, which is very well-deserved, back onto WWE. Right. Right. Instead of giving AEW the credit they deserve and because of everything they're doing because they're on top right now, he's just sticking around just like, all right, like that, without saying it. Okay, get excited about AEW, but you just wait. WWE is going to come back and be fine. Well, why are you doing that right now? Like, if I'm Tony Khan, I'm like, cool, your appearances in AEW is done because I know you're going to want to now that we're selling out Arthur Ashe Stadium. Okay. Right. I'm interested, Shawnee, because we talked about the opener for, for uh, last Wednesday night's AEW. With that being the opener, they decided to close that show with Britt and Ruby. And I know that um, I, I'm pretty sure I talked to you, Justin, like the day after or something. And, and we were both kind of, I mean, disappointed that Ruby lost. But I, I think you had said, Justin, when I talked to you, it's like, OK, now what do you do with, with Ruby? And I'm curious for you, Shawnee, from a live standpoint, like how did the crowd accept the Ruby Riot loss? That was very, the crowd was pretty mixed and that made for a really, really fun time. Right. Because yeah. by that point, you're several hours in, you know, the, the energy is going to be starting to come down a little bit. Although I have to say, man, that crowd kept jamming way, they're way more stamina than me. Um, uh, but um, it was a pretty mixed crowd. So I think that it was appropriate and it was definitely a, both these guys kind of feel, um, oh, cool. you know, uh, there were the lot of, you know, Ruby riot chants that were getting caught, uh, counteracted with DMD. And, um, it was just, uh, it was just a really feel good night. It really That's was. Awesome. And I have to, uh, Tony Khan does come out before the show. And then, um, after, um, so he comes on to basically hype up just before, uh, um, dynamite comes on and then just when dynamite's done and, when he's he's yelling into the mic, his passion is so clearly genuine, and it looks like he's holding back tears because he's just like he feels like this is such an amazing thing. Now, it's cool that it doesn't seem like this feeds his ego because if he was like egotistical about it, like he's crying because he's you know Caesar, yeah, being uh, yeah. 
bring, uh, <laughs> you know, grapes for the plebes. Um, but uh, no, he just, he's so genuinely excited. Um, and so that, that's, that's, a, it's a pretty cool thing. It really is. And it also, it's, you know, make, makes it quite evident that you don't want him on screen as a character very often because sure. just, his, his heart <laughs> is on his face all the time. He, he says, I don't know that it would really work out well. Well, that's such a big reason why the AEW that adds to why AEW is so hot right now. And their crowds are so hot because for any dynamite, any show, whatever stadium, whatever city they're in, the crowds are just, lit up from match one like it's a pay-per-view crowd and i think because when you have a guy like tony khan like you said so genuine to the point that you don't want him on screen because he's just he's enjoying this way too much you want to support someone like that right especially when the the other option is a guy like vince mcmahon who is the definition of a definition of uh, egotistical and along without a touch and so many other horrible things that makes you want to support AEW even more, not even talking about how great the superstars and the stories and the matches are. Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like at some point in the next year, like the, the, the shine is going to come off AEW. Like they're going to have to eventually do some roster cuts. Um, yes. And there'll probably be people at the bottom of the card that we're not as invested in, but it's still roster cuts and that still sucks. Or, yeah. you know, we'll find out that somebody like we did a year or two ago with like Sammy Guevara saying what he did about Sasha Banks. We'll find out things about a couple of people at the top of the card. But at the same time, it also feels like as a company, AEW is very good about handling that stuff. Right. You know, Sammy Guevara said what he did years ago on a podcast about Sasha Banks and immediately they pulled him from TV and, you know, you didn't see him for a month or two while they wait for it to blow over, but then also kind of, you know, not only waited for it to blow over, but had him sit down and speak with Sasha Banks, which allowed her to put her stamp of approval on, you know, yes, I do believe this is a young man who's understanding that, that what he did was not right. He's not just playing for the cameras. Right. One thing I'm waiting on for AEW to deal with in that uh, for me is when we get to the point where for, especially for pay-per-views, they can't rely on who's going to show up because at some point, and it may take another year or two, at some point, there's not going to be many options, right? Like the Bray Wyatt's of the world aren't going to be a free agent anymore. I'm talking about these big names that every pay-per-view they've relied on that big name to show up for a battle Royal return at the end of the show, the Adam Coles, Brian Danielson, even going to like Christian and so on. At some point. right, but if you look at you know like this ramped up to like a supernova with Brian Danielson, CM Punk, and Ruby Riot, and the way these things go is that you don't like he'll have to pull back for sure, right? You're not right. gonna yeah. like there's nobody like who's bigger than CM Punk, you know? It's like sure. Randy Macho Man Savage, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not even necessarily saying anyone bigger than what they've already done, but just the fact that they they won't have anybody of higher caliber name to debut or return which means for a pay-per-view yeah but for but for a pay-per-view i'm 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 definitely i don't think you have to worry about that is what i'm saying i think that you know we've sort of seen the supernova yeah but what i'm saying is is what i'm waiting to see that first pay-per-view where we have no debuts 
No return. Yeah, it's going to be great professional wrestling and that's, matches, and that's which is what, what I they mean. do. And that's what I want to see. All the rest of the time. Because everyone, and rightfully so, because it's great that they, they, they booked it out this way and pulled it off. Everyone has freaked out, especially over the most previous pay-per-view, but these pay-per-views, because I can't believe so-and-so showed up. I can't believe this person showed up. I can't believe this person returned. So I definitely look forward to the first pay-per-view that you know they're going to give us swerves because if they keep the pay-per-view scheduled the way it is, they're not going to just have a bunch of quality professional wrestling matches. There's going to be swerves and moments to make it memorable. That's, that's, that's the part that makes it great that these pay-per-views are so a few months apart because they have time to figure out what big moments do we want to make this show memorable. And when none of those moments are a return or a debut, I, I look forward to what that show looks like and seeing how they do that when they can't rely on, we're going to have Adam Cole and Brian Danielson show up. Right. We're going to have Ruby Soho show up. Right. What are those moments now going to be and how are they going to pull it off? And how good is it going to be when they can't rely on the returns or debuts that they have been relying on for a lot of their pay-per-views? It's not a bad thing. No, I, just I think it's, I think it's very be. exciting because I think he will hit more than miss. Now sure. we've seen bad endings for pay-per-views. Um, so, and, and the one thing that you absolutely um, it's not a, a risk. It's like, it's like a bubble in the economy. It's, it's an inevitable eventually the train has to slow down and right. Nobody's ready for that. Cause everyone's piled into the front. And um, you know, uh, I, I think that one of the interesting dynamics of having all the four pay-per-views is that when you have a bad one, you then have to really make sure that you fix things before the next one, because right. two bad pay-per-views is not just, a bump in the road. Yeah, you know, that's half potentially this this could be a moment where people are like having the attitude that Chuck did. I made the right decision not watching the last four weeks, right? Like right. You, you start to shed fans. And um, you know, I think that I mean Tony between his, you know, he's a numbers guy, so he's he's paying attention to the statistics, but he's so good at also being a human being, at least on the camera, right? Like, yeah, I don't understand how he like if this is the guy that he truly is, how does he also do football stuff and European soccer stuff? Like, oh right. my lord, man, this guy. I will, uh, I will throw out there. No one likes a to show off, Tony. Jeez. Yeah, right. No, I mean, and don't get me wrong. This is not trying to downside, but just to kind of respond to what you you said there. Being a sports owner, there's a lot less that goes into it compared to being a, an owner of a wrestling company. Right. You know, being a sports but I, owner, there's a lot on more people. Teams, I don't know what his, like, it's, it seems like he would have some sort of executive role that he would take seriously. Well, and that's what it is. Well, yeah, that's what it is. But yeah, I see what you're saying, though. It's, 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 a lot of it is hiring staff beneath you to deal with that, right? So he just has you to know? be on the private jet to show up. For exactly, the... right? He's got to show up. <laughs> like, when when show like, up. like when your previous wide receiver is uh, being honored for making yeah, the Hall of Fame and you come out so that this to get booed out of your damn home stadium. Yeah, I will throw out there too that Tony Khan's Tony Khan's football (laughs) team is not much better. So just throwing it out. Fair, fair. I think that does. And frankly, Jacksonville kind of sucks. All right, geez, just stomp a mud hole in them, Justin. Just saying. I mean, I'm not (laughs) throwing that out there. But no, there's a lot less that goes into being a sports owner, quote unquote, compared to a wrestling owner. Gotcha. Um, So I think that that definitely helps him to balance out 
and be at AEW as much as he is and put as much attention as he needs to because being an owner of a company like this uh, in, in wrestling and in professional wrestling, there's a lot more that goes into it. I think that did, does add to his, uh, his genuineness, though, is the idea that like he doesn't need to be running a wrestling company. He doesn't need to be backstage two or no. three times a week. He wants to be. He's yeah. really interested in, and involved in yeah. what's happening, and that's Definitely. kind of fun. How long before he starts his own football league called the, you know, the XFL two, <laughs> XFL 2.0. I will say, and this will definitely disappoint our listeners. If not just you, Shawnee, that a two hour rampage is too much rampage because I haven't even seen the second hour. And I know that murder grandpa was there, but I haven't even seen it. Yeah. I, yeah they, and I don't know that I'll even get to it. I'll say, and I was going to say this too, when uh, Shawnee, you were talking about how they tape it. I love the idea. I love the shows individually watching them on TV, but they got to figure out a way to not try to make these fans sit through all that in one night because, and, and don't get me wrong. They have fun and the crowds stay with it, whatever, but that is, that's too much wrestling in one night. And uh, you know, especially with, with multiple shows and you're basically, cause a lot of times dynamite, rolls over into rampage. I know this week was a different type of week because it was special, but on a regular week, dynamite rolls into rampage, which means you're seeing the same people twice, you know, sometimes wrestling sometimes or just are, yeah. segments. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's just a little bit too much in one night. I'm again, I'm not sure what the answer is or not, uh, but it's weird though, because is that how they, rec- they uh, do it every week? Because the way they, uh, promote it on dynamite when they're selling tickets they promote it as if they're selling tickets to the show separately right yeah get tickets i think for they dynamite do. and then get tickets for for friday's rampage they're in the same city but they're promoting it separately as if it's two different shows yeah i think that this might have been a, a special sort of situation for the new york audience um and yeah i think that one hour less would have been much more palatable um, and I, I think that, I mean, generally speaking, the crowd was there for it. I mean, uh, it is a Wednesday night, so you do have people that are going to be leaving because they got to get to work the next day. That's for right. sure going to happen. I mean, the crowd was energetic still that was there, but greatly diminished by the time we got to the main event with um, with Suzuki and uh, the Murder Bird. Uh, yeah. We did get a homicide appearance, which was very cool because that was the match that Suzuki had with GCW on Friday yeah, night, that's fascinating. which I also got to see at the Melrose Ballroom, which was a blast. That was fascinating to see, too, that like, because we thought, okay, first we thought we're getting Suzuki versus Moxley, like this is a thing, but it wasn't the thing because it was leading to the next thing, and then this thing on Rampage wasn't the big culmination of the story because it leads to the next, like Suzuki is doing a U.S. tour right now and hitting as many promotions as he can because who knows when he'll be back or if he'll be back. So, and, and it's fun. He did that, say in New York that he will be back. So yeah. Fingers crossed. It's, it's fun that um, both of the big televised things weren't, you know, the, the, the end of the story. It was like, Nope, you, you saw the thing on AEW, but now in a couple nights, he's going to be over at GCW. So you're going to want to check that out. Yeah, no, the, the attention to detail is fantastic. And again, it's letting these people tell their own stories, right? Like the sto- the, the journey of their life leading up to sure. these matches is what is the story. Whereas it's these characters on jets. It's just a different animal now, you know? It's it's evolved beyond and, and into a bigger thing and a different thing over at WWE. Well, and, 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 and 
another company owner, if you told them, Hey, I want to come and show up on your show a couple of times, but it's in the service of promoting the fact that I'm going to be at these smaller shows. You just said, fucking no. No. So. Oh, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and in the meantime, uh, it is fun when you have the match going on and off to the side, it's Suzuki and uh, and Mox just wailing on each other. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. the camera's not on them. <laughs> They're just having a good old time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, want, I want to bring something up that I meant to bring up last week. Uh, it is a little off track, but it's still AEW related. Okay. Um, whoever made on social media, I'm sure you guys have seen this, send hook a thing not only oh. just the gif gif yeah but the, the it's a it's a its own page now called yeah. send hook and every the now and then send just, hook yes and they just tweet cm punk saying send hook that is gold <laughs> it I really know, is i can't explain to you why it's gold i I, I don't know gold. we were laughing that hook looks like a Disney Channel teen show version of a professional wrestler. That yes. was what we the conclusion. We could, but the crowd is starting to get antsy for Hook. <laughs> it's yeah. like, I'm not a part of that yet uh, because I'm just See, behind the curve. But that is the, definitely a wave that's coming. And that I, I don't know Twitter the fact that the whole funny. yeah the fact that the whole send Hook thing happened makes me actually kind of worried for him if they were seriously trying to do something with him because nobody's taking this guy seriously no one i did i didn't see that that excitement for him i haven't and i don't think it's gonna be a thing here's the thing if you if you if you look at hook and when he does something which is very little mind you he works pretty stiff i think he's gonna come out there and we're all gonna be like all right cartoon boy what do you got and he's yeah. going to be an asshole and he's going to slap the shit out of someone like MJF. And it's going to yeah. be fun to watch them have to work it out in the ring. Speaking of MJF, that was another social media thing that we have to bring up because the dude is the best fucking heel <laughs> he's, he's in, so the business, <laughs> in the business. Even his parents are in on the gag. Oh my God. Yeah, when that was a big thing. That uh... His mom's sign that said, we're MJF's parents and we think he sucks. And his retweet just says, fuck off, mom. That's all it says. <laughs> that is so good. How good of a heel. And I will tell you, I saw on Facebook, somebody in New York radio who I am connected with on Facebook got to interview MJF. Um, MJF is in character for every interview yeah. he does. He lives the gimmick, man. And I got to listen to a guy. I've talked to the guy a couple times from New York. He got to interview MJF, and I got to listen to it. Oh, my God. This guy is good. He is taking what Kevin Owens used to do on social media to a completely new level. Yes. Like Kevin Owens, while heel, is a total shit heel to everyone and will block anyone for any reason on Twitter. Yeah, he blocked me. Yeah, and it's fucking hilariously fun. It's a badge of honor to get Kevin Owens to block you on Twitter. And yep. MJF is just taking it to the next level, man. Yeah, MJF for years and years and years and decades to come. This dude's good. Oh, I, wherever he ends up doing 25, 30 years from now, because he'll still be doing it and we'll still be loving it. We'll be loving to hate him. Because at this point, too, there can never be a face turn, ever. Right. He is going to be one of the best commentators 
Oh, yeah. Three generations from now when he Very can't true. wrestle anymore and they put him behind the desk. He's he's going to be the next Bobby Heenan. Yep. A hundred percent. hundred percent. Because he's that you're that good on the mic this young. You put 30 years of wrestling experience behind that 30 years from now when he's done wrestling and yeah. he just needs to commentate. Holy. And then that personality is still there. And that charismatic vibe. Holy hell. That he's going to be good. This guy is so damn good. Very good. Now, could you tell from the TV that Cody had a cape on that was like 20 or 30 feet? Yes. Jesus God. It was hilarious. They had a camera shot of it. And I'm like, is he getting married? Because that cape is going on forever. We were trying to figure out, like, are you like he's because he's I mean, he's carny as fuck. He clearly knows that he's going to be pushing. Like, I think. He maybe is egotistical enough to believe that he can make nationalism cool again and he's going to do it the right way. Right. But also he, he has to know, I mean, like the 30 foot cape is, is, is almost like a middle finger. So you have to like, you know, the Homelander thing. Yes. He was booed so hard, so I'm hard. So and it, it, made, it, it, it made it so that Alistair had no chance to be a heel no, because, because they just everyone just wants to cheer for everything that he does. First off, because he's just got so much charisma. Like even from up in the balcony, you know, when he comes out, you're like, "Oh, this is some yeah. good stuff." Yeah. Um, but he is like because everyone in the stadium wants to hate Cody, and, and part of it's like I think this. I think there's this massive kayfabe grudge against Cody. I think if you actually looked at what Cody is at his core if you listen to the shoot interviews you know cody is generally a good guy right um but there are people pushing back as though he is the homelander and it's like wow this is something else this is something else yeah no i i was so happy to hear him get booed the way he is i think a lot of it um a lot of the reason i mean obviously he looked dumb of course he's facing malachi black which heel or not malachi black is so over in the wrestling community right now but I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that what we've talked, what I've talked about, we've said in the past in, in, in AEW, AEW has, has had, even before the roster blew up the way they did uh, this last couple months, they've had a lot of great superstars, yet they always turn to Cody for every big story. And I think people within AEW that have been following AEW from the first major show, they're sick of him. I don't need, I don't need to see him. I really don't. Um, as a good guy or not, obviously, you know, brains behind AEW behind the scenes in real life and credit to him for that, but talking on screen only, I don't want to see him in anything right now. I don't, there's so many better options. Uh, and I think they turned to him way too many times for certain moments that should have went to somebody else. And of course you turn to, okay, so you're Vince McMahon and triple H all over again, right. if not worse. Because you're in your prime. See, I and like Vince- having the the few long-term stories that constantly have a heartbeat. Um, and I think it's interesting when you juxtapose the elite who are heels, who are actually baby faces to most of the crowd. And then you have Cody, who is the baby face, who is actually a heel to most of the crowd. I think that's oh, yeah. kind right. of interesting. And I think that they're all smart enough to make that pay off at some point. Um yeah. And to me, it pays off as we go. Uh, I, but I totally get the argument. I totally get it. I'm not defending that Cody is a necessity. I think that's, you know, the audience is going to ultimately make that determination. Sure. And I think we're seeing that, like, it's going to be, 
unless he somehow like he's going to have to go heel and he's going to have to do some real heel shit. And I think that's yes. what's happening. I think the Homelander thing is no mistake. I think the 30 foot cape is not because he's like, I'm the greatest ever. And he forgets that he's the owner of the company and gets to book himself. Right. Like I think right. he's a very right. shrewd, shrewd man, the son of dusty roads. You know, I think he knows a bit, better thing about working a mark. Yeah, I really hope that's where it's going because if it's not, he looks ignorant as all. Yes, <laughs> yes. It's just like <laughs> go up, try. Like to... He starts wearing the Homelander gear. Yeah, day to day life. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, get, we get three episodes into his reality show, Roads from the Top, and Brandy has to deal with the fact that he won't stop wearing yeah, won't his gear to Walmart. Yeah, right, and you know, and even just the fact that he shows to Dynamite and stuff to put on these quote-unquote face promos while getting booed out of the building at some point you're just gonna have to under, be okay with the fact that we're not we're good we don't need you yeah well you i think at some point go. you start leaning into it like kurt angle exactly you start like okay i'm gonna be so pure that you're right. the asshole for booing me and that's it you either have to lean into it or you have to go straight heel asshole or you need to go sit backstage and let the other guys put on the show one of three yeah, well, I mean, which one I, is. I, they, the last time he did it was to set up Alice, uh, Malachi kicking the crap out of him, which was amazing yes. because as I recounted on a previous episode, we were at the bar and the mood of the bar was like, oh, fuck this guy. And then like, oh, my God, he's still talking to, oh, my God, this guy is a president of the company and he's booking to end the shit. Like, we are furious. We were so excited for the entire show. And then we're like, so, but then... Once Malachi kicks the crap out, I'm like, ah, reward. We haven't, they haven't tried to just have him go out there and win the crowd over since sure. then, have they? I don't believe uh, so. Well, yeah, not since then, but then you remember the previous paper. Right, but since then, what have you done for me lately? This is the story. Yes. The story moves forward. Very I, true. You know, that's, um, that's what I'm interested in. That's, I'm with you. Yep. But again, I have to say, man, like that cape it told me <laughs> that like it was so ridiculous. It was like, wait a minute. Is, are we about to see a wrestling wedding? This is like a ridiculous train. <laughs> <wrestling that you're... laughs> it's almost like a self-aware joke. Like at first you're like, this joke is bad. And then you start realizing, oh, this joke is bad on purpose. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, wait, this is actually happening. All right. So um, I don't know. Where can people find y'all? I'm on. A, I'm Shawnee Constant. Uh how you, how you doing, everybody? Thanks for showing up for another week of uh, the One Fall Show. Is the, uh, you can find me on Instagram at shawnee.constant or running the at One Fall Show Twitter page. Justin, I, uh, I did listen to your podcast this week, the pay-per-view Thank you, pod. Thank you, sir. Yeah, the pay-per-view pod on social media, Chuck's favorite podcast, at PPV underscore pod, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Uh, myself on social media, at JV underscore sports underscore talk. And jvsportstalk.com. And real quick, I also want to shout out the guy with the signs at Extreme Rules last night, right on the ramp. He yeah. had a bunch of them. The most random shit you could put on the sign. It was all video game related or anime. Or yes. the last one I saw was Megatron is not a tank. Yep. A goofy <laughs> movie. Yes. A, a goofy movie is filth. Like. Just- <laughs> And they, they pulled the camera. That was the first sign he put up, and they pulled the camera off him quickly. Yep. Which makes why, me think that Vince McMahon, huge goofy movie stand. Yep. Why, why, <laughs> why, why did you let LJN make your games in the 90s? I, yeah, I didn't see that one. Yep. So I, mean, I didn't yeah, realize he had, he had a, a rotating. Uh, yeah, he had a rotating that. cycle for every superstar because obviously, you know, you're, the camera's on you right when the superstar walks by you. So he he was ready. And the best part was he was always looking in a different direction and just casually holding it up. 
and just kind of looking at what like he wasn't holding it up all excited it just <laughs> just happened to be there while he, he was acting like he was talking to somebody else it was great Amazing. so shout out to that guy goofy booty is filth is a great line <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on the nerd radio podcast uh you can be, find me occasionally with shawnee over on the uh talk horror to me podcast and of course you can find me with mr nate bender over at twitch.tv backslash limit break radio on saturdays doing super universe mode season two starting this saturday all right and uh, of course we were without uh, this week our uh, our north star our guiding compass our uh, our scales of justice uh, award-winning miss erica banis and uh, if you'd her. like to find her google it google it google it never wrong no, no, she's not wrong. Erica is not wrong. All right, Erica, we miss you. I used to have to listen to that every time I'd edit the show because it was one of the drops in the in the, uh, the theme song, but I don't have any drops in there anymore. Have fun, everybody. Be safe and don't fall in the hole. All right, Erica, you got some... Uh, oh, no. Oh, crap. Oh, I'm not even going to be able to release this episode without a title. Uh, we can't, we uh, can't title the episode without her... Writing down our titles. That's the title. We don't have a title without Erica. Hmm. All right. Well, I got to make my way to band practice. You guys have a fantastic rest of your evening. All right. All right. Can I hang on and talk about the Lions, Justin? Yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Poor guys. Man. Okay. I, I I don't I'm not invested enough emotionally to care passionately about this. However, there should never be a missed delay of game penalty. That is no. a penalty that should never ever be missed. You could have a robot do it. You could yes. have you could have fireworks that launch it, yeah. when the clock you hits zero. Many, <laughs> yeah, like you have how many? And even like you don't have a robot doing it. You have at least six guys between the field and up in the booth watching the clock and that's all their job is and there's how many clocks throughout the stadium what the fuck are you looking at yeah, like to me and it was what three seconds worth of missing it it wasn't it was there was no quick little oh it could have been no right right you weren't breaking down the tenths of a second no, kind of thing it's yeah. three full seconds of zero 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 snap like what what are we doing yeah that was <laughs> That was garbage. Of course, everyone's turning to the fact that you don't let them convert on fourth and nineteen, but which is true, thousand percent true. But I mean, they're playing a team. I think that's their offense is much better than our defense, and right. So you had to either stop the receivers and running back core, or stop the tight end, and eventually they couldn't do all of it. Hundred percent, and I think you know a lot of it too is just luck. I mean, a sixty-six yard field goal anywhere is luck. The fact that it hits the crossbar and doesn't go. Back to nine, Absolutely. nine and a half times out of ten, if it hits the crossbar or upright, it's coming backwards. It's not going straight. Absolutely. Oh yeah, no. The 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 percentage of that happening in a game is astronomical. No matter where um, it's from. So right. that was God. What a mess, man. What a fucking mess. But you know, I think that this is going to really test this team. Like, you know, is he going to, at the end of the year? And then seeing the fans booing the owner yeah. had to be a real wake up call for some of these players. Right. hundred yeah. percent. So is this coaching staff able to do what we hope that they're doing, which is building that like foundational rock solid sort of old style football right. foundation, 
They do some interesting things with the offense. I don't think they have many tools right now, 100%. but um, I, I, I'm, I'm intrigued. And I think yeah. that, I mean, to go 0-16 means that you have only one direction to go, right? And right. If, you, if you truly go into next season feeling like, all right, three of these offensive linemen are rock solid. Now we're mm-hmm. adding pieces, which we, oh, we just never feel like. It always feels like you know, the dike has a thousand holes and you only yeah. have 10 fingers. And so that, you know, that's what we need to see out of these guys is there's these sort of foundational building blocks and this adversity could help. And it certainly improves their draft stock. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a no doubt, but I think without taking the obvious and typical route of same old lions, it's a different mindset with these lions than it was for the past 10 plus years, because each year, whether it was nationally or just locally, there was a little glimpse of we should be able to win because we have Matt Stafford, because we have Kelvin Johnson, because we right. have a good defense, because we have this or that. We don't have any of that, right? Like we had zero. We should have, if you're thinking logically, there should have been zero expectations on this team. New quarterback, new coach, no named wide receivers. The offensive line's pretty good, and the defense is in. Eh. Like we have zero reason to be like high hopes on this team. So at that point, you look at just the fact that we've competed the first three games, entertaining games with really good teams the first three games. The Niners, Packers, and Ravens are all playoff caliber teams. And we nearly pulled off that comeback in week one. We blew a halftime lead in week two on the road, and it took that crazy bullshit to take that win from us yesterday. And that's just the way we have to look at it at that point because – realistically there is no expectations on this team right golf has looked pretty good i think golf could be our quarterback <laughs> i think if you give golf quality wide receivers like a marvin jones and kenny galladay or whoever in the past i think you you have something there if you let him throw the ball downfield i think we have a good run game i think our run game should stay with swift and williams uh, run game is very uh, interesting and that's something that i have not seen i mean you know it's, it's so weird because we had Barry. And even then, I have to say, as someone who got to see Barry many, many times yes. live, he was a weird back to watch, right? Because it was exciting because any time he could break. But oftentimes, he just ran into the line. I mean, it was like, exactly. it was it was this amazing endorphin rush. I remember one where I stood up to cheer because Barry got the ball. This was, I think, the second game I had ever been to back at the Silverdome. And I stood up to cheer and I went, yeah. And then he was just enveloped. And I was like, oh. And I yeah. sunk back down in my chair. <laughs> and then he squirted out and ran and ran. And I was like, yeah. You know, and then I, it, you was, know, like screamed. What happened? But like yeah. my brother who was sitting there with me is like, yeah! Oh, yeah! Like, he just thought it was the funniest <laughs> thing because next to this ops fan. Oh yeah, uh, that's so true. But yeah, uh, you know, I, I like this. This is very interesting. Yeah. Again, uh, we definitely, um, we definitely have competed, and at this point, like, if you're thinking realistically, you got to go in with zero expectations. We got a brand new scheme. We got brand new everything. Like, we haven't had a brand new everything in a long time. We've, we've swapped coaches, but kept our main players for the most part. We not only swapped coaches, we got rid of Stafford. We got rid of our named receivers. We got some new guys in. We got a lot of young, young talent. We haven't had this new of a team in a long time. Yeah. So, of course, the easy thing to say is same old Lions. But realistically speaking, it's a brand new fucking team that should have zero expectations 
And at this point, we get you, you just got to be happy that we're getting entertaining games because the truth of it all, we could be going out there and losing 35 to 7 every week. We're not. Right. right. And there would be a very different discussion, I think. Right. Like we 100%. have to, especially when homeboy comes out and he's like, you know, we're going to kick him in the knee. And then when they, when they, yep. when they knock us down, we're going to bite their heels. And when they yeah. stomp on us, we're going to, you know, whatever, I don't know, whatever he said, but uh, you know, like that's uh, that smash mouth attitude is very exciting. If he can hold it now for, as an old head, I will say this idea of the same old lions is not necessarily short term. So same old lions could be something popping off on social media that absolutely detonates this regime in mm-hmm. week 12. Right. Yeah. Like I'm not saying that it is same old lions. However, right. I'm also yeah. not saying that, you know, I, I do like that. They basically flushed all the fluids out of this old engine. It really feels like it up, up yes. to the owner. Right. And now your move, she'll afford hamp. What is uh? how do you, you know, it's like Cody Rhodes. What do you do next time? Like you're obviously not just going to walk up to the microphone and start talking. Yeah, uh, because exactly. that's just going to be a clown show. You know, like, do you make a public statement? Do you disappear forever? You know, that's going to be interesting as a, as a little aside. But, um, you know, generally speaking, I think that, yeah, I like what they've done, but it's it is still the old Lions vehicle. They've flushed out the, the fluids that makes that I'm excited. But, yeah. you know, can they go year to year um, replacing parts with new technology? That's what what I'm waiting to see. So, yeah, I mean, at this point of it all, like I said, there's a when lot people of on sports radio mind. say. Well, a good team, I'm always like, this, 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 we knew this wasn't a good team, and then you lost your left tackle. Shut up. You know, like, said, don't even it. use that as a leverage. Like, what, what is that? What it, kind it of perspective are you coming from? You're coming from the you're coming from the perspective of a person who doesn't have any understanding about how any of this works at all, other than team win, team lose. You know, exactly. like, this is a total well, obliviousness to and that's where it like ten, the last 10 years. Okay. I get it because we had a good quarterback. We've, we've had good coaches. We've had good defenses. We've had good pieces, great pieces, but yet we would still blow it. Those that's when those comments, I get it. But right, like absolutely. this team, these players yeah, we do not deserve that. Losing to a 66 yard field goal that had a lucky bounce off. Yes. And after a missed delay, delay a game call, like this team and these players do not deserve to hear same old lions. They don't because they are competing. They are young. They had, we have no reason to believe that we should beat the Packers in Lambeau field. We have no reason to believe that we should beat these playoff caliber teams. Like we played in the first three weeks yet for a minute there, it looked like we might because they're competing and they're playing their asses off. And Campbell three weeks in has a shit ton of passion, a ton of energy. He's saying all the right things, but he's getting for the, for a Euchre reference. He's playing with nines and tens at the moment. Right. And maybe one fucking ACE, Mm -hmm. maybe, you know what I mean? Like, so this team, the coach, the players do not deserve to hear same old lions right now. We're 0-3. The luck is shit. I get it, but they don't deserve that. Yes, I, I agree with you 100%. So I, I guess like if I was giving a message to Angry Lion fan, right, the cynical Lion fan, yeah, we all get it. We all get it. Maybe at the end of the season, if you want to come out and say, I told you so, that's fine. Like, we'll give you a day. But we already know. Like, we don't need you constantly on sports radio saying, well, a good team. Yeah, it's not a good team. How about we talk about the crap team we have and what good things are happening as a result of what these uh, the people involved in it are doing? Yeah. Because I like the idea. I did not watch any of the last regime. Zero. 
And the idea that people are saying that it was potentially worse than the Matt Millen era is horrific to me. It's just started. This era just started. How can you say that? No, no, I'm talking about the previous regime left them. Like what this new, what Campbell is left with is a, is a, is a worse off situation than when, uh, but regardless, you know, we'd have to really, I'd have to look at the rosters to really like bring myself back into that time. I I mean, the only thing that you can say. That's like, that's ghastly. Like the the Millen era. Oh, and 16, I had a hat. I still have it around here somewhere that says Detroit Perfect. For a minute, I had a band called Detroit Perfect, and it was Owen 16. I love it. Uh, I yeah, love I it. was very, very excited about Owen 16. The only reason why I would I would ever even compare or even say um, it, one was worse than the other in that the Millen era was, or this past era was worse, was because we should have won something. Right. There was never in the Millen era where we even came close to winning anything where this past era, the pieces were there. We we made the playoffs a few times. We were leading these playoff games and yet we found a way to blow it. So, again, that is person by person. Would you rather just fucking get your asses kicked and go 0 16 and never come close to winning anything? Or would you rather have a shot? and just blow it every time you got that shot, which is worse in your book. And that's an opinion thing at that point. Right. It would be interesting though. Maybe, um, maybe I'll do a little research and send it over and we can do this again next week, but we'll see who, who um, I can't even remember who the head coach was immediately following. I mean, I was there for all of it, but uh, as I mentioned uh, earlier, I smoke a lot of weed and it actually does ruin (laughs) my memory. So it'd be fun to look over like what Campbell has versus what the immediate fallout of the Millen era was and sort of that that'd be some fun stuff all right man well thank you very much my pleasure bro and i'll talk to you soon okay all right i enjoy that yeah you too